Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine and sponsored by Steer. Broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. We have Steve Everly, who is the spokesperson for Texans for Natural Gas, to talk to us about a report on methane admissions. But before we bring him on, I'd like to talk to you about our latest issue of Shell Magazine. I am definitely impressed with this issue. Shell Magazine had the opportunity to catch up with the CEO of Oasis Petroleum, Inc., Tommy News. I encourage you to go to shellmag.com, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com, and learn about Oasis Petroleum and Tommy News. Speaking of Shell Magazine, I want to talk to you about our fourth annual State of Energy Luncheon happening on August 29th in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. Come on down to Corpus Christi, enjoy a little bit of the sea breeze and learn a lot about oil and gas. Um, We are currently right now looking for sponsors and of course ticket sales uh, are going. It will be a sold out event. So if you're interested in coming to Corpus Christi on August 29th and being a part of Shell Magazine's State of Energy and learning all about what's going on in the Corpus Christi area as well as the Permian Basin area, I encourage you to visit shellmag.com, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com to uh, learn more and of course purchase tickets to attend. Be sure to join us the night before on August 28th at 6.30 p.m. at the beautiful Omni Hotel in Corpus Christi, Texas. So we will enjoy an amazing networking mixer with plenty of drinks and delicious hors d'oeuvres. On hand will be Suncoast Resources and Marathon Oil. So come join us on August 28th at 6.30 p.m. at the beautiful Omni Hotel in Corpus Christi. For more information, go to shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com slash S-O-E. Be sure to bring plenty of business cards and I look forward to seeing you there. You know, our show airs in all markets in Texas, uh, primarily in Houston and Austin, San Antonio, Permian Basin area, Corpus Christi. And there's a nonprofit out there called Future of the Region of South Texas. It actually is covering 47 counties in South Texas that they look at what is in the best interest for South Texas in areas of transportation, water, oil and gas, border issues, you name it. And this year, their conference will be held in Laredo on September 12th at the Texas A&M International University Student Center. I encourage you, if you want to be involved, if you're living in South Texas, this is a conference for you. Um, And I truly hope that you will get involved. If you um, want to make a difference in where you're living, this is the conference for you to attend. But for more information, visit future region stx.org and i hope to see you there but now it's time to bring on our resident energy expert and editor of shell magazine david blackman david welcome back this week hey it's another beautiful day in texas i hear you it's awfully hot though 
<laughs> really, really, really hot. Um, so I want to jump in to some positive uh, news coming out of Texas uh, and, of course, oil and gas. Uh, last week, the Texas comptroller, Glenn Haggard, announced thanks to the oil and gas boom, the state of Texas's taxes collected ran about $2.8 billion ahead of previous estimations. Mm-hmm. Explained to us what does that mean for Texas and what does that mean for all of us? Oh, it's just, it's huge. And of course, it's just a, a, an indicator of how important the oil and gas industry is to Texas and the state budget. Um, so the the comptroller, just to give everybody an idea of what happens, at the first of the year, the comptroller put out a revenue estimate to the legislature to give uh, policymakers in the legislature an idea of how much tax revenue they're going to have to work with when they convene next January. Uh, to construct the state's budget for the next two-year period, right? Well, so here we are six months later, and the comptroller comes out with an update at mid-year, and then he'll do another one in October. And this revenue estimate is now $2.8 billion more than what he re- estimated in January, meaning that the legislature is going to have an extra, basically, uh, 3% uh, of worth of money to work with, 3% more, just because of oil and gas activity. I mean, it's because of the boom in the Permian Basin. Things are picking up in the Eagle Ford. Things are picking up in the Barnett Shale and in East Texas. You know, the oil and gas industry pays all these taxes. We pay sales tax. We pay a severance tax. We pay a franchise tax, on and on and on. Get tax in abalorum taxes to local government entities. And so every well that gets drilled is more money to the state of Texas, more money to the county government, local hospital, and school districts. And it's just a big, big thing uh, for our economy in Texas that this boom currently is really concentrated here in Texas. And, you know, back prior to me jumping into energy and wanting to learn about it, I was in the nonprofit world in executive leadership. And I will tell you that there was one time I remember very specifically that actually led me into learning about oil and gas. And it is this. So this is my testimony for everyone. It was one year that the comptroller's office had come up with the calculations incorrectly, which happens often. So it's not a bad thing, but it was sure it's hard to estimate this stuff. Right. And it was very short. And so I remember that Governor Perry requested that every single agency come up with a 20% budget cut. And at the time, I really didn't understand what that meant until I started to see services for elderly, disabled. Uh, They had a law enforcement freeze. Teachers were being laid off. There was a freeze on everything. No hiring of law enforcement or fire department. Uh, It was devastating for the state. And when we think, when I think about that, and then I recognize what really brought us out of that was oil and gas, because right at that time was when Eagle Ford had started to mm-hmm. come online. So we here in Texas, we don't really realize how we connect into that budget and how it affects us personally. But if you have, you know, everybody has an elderly or somebody that's on some kind of assistance or a disabled person, somebody has a teacher in the family, somebody has a police officer in the family, this budget and what oil and gas does for all of us for this state really really, really matters. And uh, I wanted to be the person that would go out and talk about these things. So I'm very happy that we're covering this because this is really something that uh, I love to talk about. But I also want to switch gears a little bit and talk about TxDOT as well. They came out with an announcement too. So let's talk about what was their announcement. 
Well, TxDOT, you know, is also a beneficiary of the oil and gas. Of course, they're a beneficiary of just the general budget allocations. But back in the 2013 session, the legislature created two new programs that allocate a portion of any excess in the state's rainy day fund over a certain amount of money. Uh, a portion of that goes into TxDOT, up to about $2 billion a year, I think, is the cap. And uh, TxDOT announced last week, too, I think right after the Comptroller's announcement, that it's going to have an extra $1.1 billion from these two programs from the state's rainy day fund. Well, the significant thing about the Texas rainy day fund is it, it is funded entirely by the severance taxes for, on oil and natural gas. So, Say that one more time, David. It is funded. <laughs> the, Texas, the Texas rainy day fund is funded entirely by severance taxes on oil and natural gas production here in the state of Texas. So, you know, over the next few years, when you see all this road construction going on and you see your little two-lane highways changed into big, beautiful four-lane highways and new bridges being built and new overpasses being built and better exchanges and new lights going up to better control traffic, thank the oil and gas industry for it because that's paying for a lot of it. Boy, it is a great time to be living in Texas right now. It pertaining really to oil and gas and uh the benefits are just enormous and uh i sure am glad that uh we have this announcement coming out today last and quickly what is going on with oil prices they're down again <laughs> so quickly yeah. tell me what's going on with it what's your thoughts well it, it basically it's it's a lot of uh, uncertainty in the market right now the saudis uh did put an extra four hundred thousand barrels of oil onto the market in June. We know that. All that did, though, was bring them up to their quota because they'd been well under their quota the previous two months. But the rumor now is that they are trying to increase their production in July by as much as a million barrels a day. So I, what I think is probably going to happen as we talk today, the price is hovering around 66, 67. I think it's probably going to go down to around 65 and then stop. Um, and wait until the end of the month, you know, because everybody, see, all these traders are speculating on what's really happening and nobody really knows right now. Don't you love so, that when somebody speculates, yeah. but they don't really know? <laughs> right. And so we're going to wait until the end of the month, see what really happens. And then we'll then we'll know where the price is going to go after that. That sounds a lot more reasonable. Let's yeah. let's let's see what happens. Well, David, that is all the time we have for this week. Look forward to having you back next week, which I'm sure will be another interesting topic pertaining to oil and, of course, politics. Until then, have a great week. Great. I look forward to it. Thanks. And with that, it's time for us to take a quick commercial break. But when we return, Steve Everly, the spokesperson for Texans for Natural Gas, will be joining us. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. In the Oil Patch Radio Show is proud to bring you this week's Energy Minute produced by shalemag.com. Here's Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your current industry update. This is Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your Energy Minute. Yesterday, the EIA reported weekly crude inventory levels for the United States. Like the API the day before, the agency said that the U.S. stockpiles grew last week, but their numbers indicated a much larger 5.8 million barrel growth to a total of 411.1 million barrels. 
barrels. This was in contrast to analyst estimates of a 3.3 million barrel drop. While this would have put an additional strain on oil prices, this news was overshadowed by gasoline numbers. The EIA reported that U.S. gasoline levels dropped by 3.2 million barrels last week, while demand grew by 433,000 to 9.7 million barrels per day by week's end. WTI ended up 96 cents on the day to close at $68.98 per barrel. This is Ryan Sitton, and that's your Energy Minute. Listen to In the Oil Patch Radio and keep up with the oil and gas industry online at shalemag.com. From the industry's toughest frack equipment manufacturer comes the latest innovation in frack sand delivery. Introducing Sandforce, the new frack sand delivery system from Dragon. The unique design, double drop gravity fed discharge system is trailer mounted and unloads the standard 25 tons in less than 12 minutes. So go ahead, give yourself an unfair advantage. Put the power of Sandforce to work for you today. Call 800-231-8198. Again, that number is 800-231-8198 or visit dragonsandforce.com. Oil-filled experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil-filled equipment needs. Oil-filled experts have been providing parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. And now it's time to bring on Steve Everly, who is the spokesperson for Texans for Natural Gas. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on again. Well, Steve, I want to begin by starting with understanding a little bit more about Texans for Natural Gas. You guys produce a lot of content pertaining to oil and gas. You guys are advocates for uh, natural gas. So tell me a little bit about Texans for Natural Gas. Sure. So the uh, the quick history, uh, we actually started about four years ago uh, as North Texans for Natural Gas. Uh, and we really just wanted to give a, a forum and a community for people in Texas who support oil and gas development. Uh, we, this is Texas. We, we've produced oil and gas for a long time. We, we know it's a key part of the economy. Uh, but w- there was kind of a void in terms of a, a grassroots opportunity uh, for people to kind of get together and support oil and gas development. Uh, we started in North Texas, like I said, in the Barnett Shale. Uh, but within about a year or two, we started noticing that we were getting a lot of people from West Texas, a lot of people from South Texas, uh, the Gulf Coast, who were joining into the community and and being a part of it. And so uh, a couple of years ago, we launched and went statewide. Uh, We now have about a quarter million people who are a part of our our community. And uh, as you said, we are advocates for oil and natural gas development in Texas. And we, we try to bring people together and give them the opportunity to show that they are supporters of this this very important uh, industry and this very important part of our economy and continuing to grow and, and continuing to have a, have a lot of fun with it as well. Well, one of the things that I, I, I really think we, we could get better at as a society is understanding the benefits of natural gas versus any other type of potential fuel that's out there or resource uh you know it's one of the best cheapest energy sources that we have out there and yet it's really not 
discussed as much as crude oil, that end of it. You know, a lot of people look at solar and wind and they, um, oh, that's the fuel that we should be going towards. And, and unfortunately, the way I feel is that natural gas is one of these great, great resources that if people really understood how how beneficial it was to us, how cheap it is, how it burns really clean, they might uh, appreciate it more. And that's why I wanted to get you on the show because Texans for Natural Gas, you guys released a report. <clears throat> and of course, it's about methane admissions from venting and flaring. Um, and basically, the Obama administration had uh, created some very controversial regulations pertaining to methane admissions in the oil and gas production area, uh, looking at federal land. So I want to get into that with you. Tell me a little bit about the report that you guys released. Sure. So as you mentioned, it's about uh, venting and flaring and a, a rule that the Obama administration actually finalized in December of 2016. So just a few weeks before they left office. Uh, it was very controversial at the time uh, and it has remained controversial. Uh, and it has actually caught up in uh, a couple different court court battles right now um, at the federal level. Uh, there are some very serious concerns about whether the Bureau of Land Management, uh, the agency administering it, has the authority to create such a rule, much less enforce it. Uh, and one of the issues that has been brought up a lot uh, on federal methane regulation is that there's been a lot of progress in reducing methane emissions on the part of the industry uh, absent regulation. Um, you know, as, as it turns out, the industry likes to uh, or, or wants to uh, reduce methane and, and likes to operate responsibly. Uh, so, you know, we've seen a lot of progress on that. So we dug into some of the data uh, looking at, you know, some of the downward trends, uh, venting and flaring emissions uh, during petroleum production specifically declined about 17 percent between 2013 and 2016. That's one of our findings uh, over that same period of time, by the way, oil production went up 19 percent. So oil production went up, flaring went down. But the other thing that we discovered, which was kind of interesting, is that uh, the EPA has revised downward a lot of its previous data for methane emissions for previous years. So, for example, uh, in 2014, the, the, the amount of uh, methane being emitted or estimated to be emitted uh, is about half today versus what the Obama administration would have had access to. So when, when the Obama administration crafted this rule, uh, they thought methane emissions were a certain level and new data that have come out show that they're about half of what they uh, had thought they would be. And I think that's really important because when you look at everybody is very concerned with the environment and um, trying to take care of the environment. And of course, you have uh, data out there that does not reflect actual uh, information. And this is just another kind of example of data that's that was in some ways possibly misused or used incorrectly or not even accurate. And uh, the the cost of this is coming back to the oil and gas sector that they're actually, you know, having to pay higher or, uh, you know, having a lot of regulation pertaining to oil and gas. And so the Obama uh, era regulation, this whole thing is uh, or what we're discussing is known as the waste prevention rule, which basically targeted two routine practices in oil and gas. And I want to 
talk about that because not I don't think everybody really understands the two areas that it was focusing on. One of them is venting and the other one was flaring. So venting is referred to as the controlled release of gases, which operators use to prevent this pressure buildup that otherwise would pose a hazard to the workers on site. And then flaring on the other side is the combustion of this excess gas that is also used for safety purposes. So flaring, flaring we're all kind of familiar with. This is that uh, big fireball that you see in, in the sky at, at a uh, well site, and, and you'll see that uh, being burned off. And I just kind of wanted to explain the differences because I don't think we really got into what were the two uh, different areas, venting and flurry, what they specifically mean. And uh, so that way our, our listeners understood it. So when we get back from break, I want to talk about the EPA, what they actually published the data on methane emissions. Uh, and so we're going to get into this a little bit deeper, but we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. American Wounded Heroes invites you to participate in our 11th Annual Golf Classic on August 6th, hosted at the Dominion Country Club at One Dominion Drive in San Antonio, Texas. The mission of the American Wounded Heroes Golf Classic is to significantly enhance and brighten the lives of our American Wounded Heroes and first responders. Multiple corporate sponsorships are still available, but they're selling out fast. So please visit AmericanWoundedHeroesGolfClassic.com. Again, that's AmericanWoundedHeroesGolfClassic.com for more details. You can also contact J.D. Damien at 210-381-7492. Again, that's 210-381-7492. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Hey, did you know the Port of Corpus Christi is primed to become the energy port for the United States energy industry? Join us for the State of Energy Luncheon. It's going to be August the 29th from 1130 until 1 p.m. at the Solomon Ortiz Center in Corpus Christi. Come early, network with oil and gas professionals, enjoy a great lunch, hear a real energy discussion from industry professionals. It's August the 29th at 1130 at the Solomon Ortiz Center in Corpus Christi. This event will sell out, so log on now and get your tickets at shalemag.com. And we're back. Our guest today is Steve Everly, a spokesperson for Texans for Natural Gas. And Steve, before the break, we were talking about a report in which Texans for Natural Gas started to do some research pertaining to some of uh, the past administration's uh, regulation when it came to methane admissions. And you guys are kind of in a position where you're saying that it's lower the uh, amount of admissions, uh, methane admissions that are coming out than what was previously thought. So what did you guys find? Sure. Um, and you can you can find the full report, TexansForNaturalGas.com. We've got a featured button for it if you if you want to find that. Um, the, the overall finding uh, in terms of, you know, over the past three years up until 2016, which is the latest data set we have. Uh, 2013-2016, uh, gas venting and flaring during petroleum production declined by about 17%. And over that same period, oil production increased by 19%. So what you see with what, what you're seeing there is that um, methane emissions are going down, even as oil production is going up. So the only real conclusion to come to to come with that is that companies are investing in the technologies to reduce methane emissions 
even as they're increasing uh, production. And specifically as it relates to methane emitted during venting and flaring, two of the processes we've talked about, they're reducing those processes as well, uh, likely due to increased pipeline build out and just the increased use of additional technology. Uh, the problem is that, and, and actually this, this kind of gets to another point here. Uh, the problem is that venting and flaring uh, are used in addition to uh, not not just for safety reasons, uh, but also because there are delays in terms of getting pipelines approved. Uh, we've seen, you know, the keep it in the ground movement has targeted pipelines as you know one of their top issues, and is is working around the clock at the local, state, and federal level to get every pipeline blocked. When it comes to federal lands in particular, the approval process, even for one that's not being you know, turned into some sort of national referendum on climate change, uh, the, the permitting process is much slower than what it is for state and private lands. So the companies are kind of stuck here. They, the, the, the feds have come in and said, you know, you have to uh, reduce venting and flaring, but the best way to do that is to approve additional pipelines which gets slow walked by the federal government. So they're saying, fix this problem, and oh, by the way, we're going to be a barrier to the solution. To give you a little bit of context here in terms of federal permitting versus state and local permitting, uh, the average permitting time on federal lands, this is for all oil and gas development, not just pipelines, but the average permitting time is about 220 days on federal lands. For states, it's only about 30 days to process a permit. So you know, let me get my calculator out here, but, you know, you're looking at multiple times the amount of time to get something approved on federal lands as opposed to to state and, and private lands. And yet they're adding additional regulations for operating on federal lands. They're making it harder and harder to produce on federal lands, uh, which is probably why more people have moved on to private and state lands, uh, because they can actually, you know, get the business done. What about the Trump administration? Have you noticed um, that they have changed uh, their position from the previous administration pertaining to federal lands and allowing operators to uh, drill on, on the private lands? Is it getting any easier with this administration? It's still early. Uh, they have made some changes and they have um, made some signals about how they want to change things like the National Environmental Policy Act uh, in terms of how uh, permits or, or projects are reviewed and how permitting occurs. Uh, they have you know, tried to make some changes actually to the BLM, um, to, the, to the venting and flaring rule that we've been talking about. Uh, I, I would say on that, though, that the, the bigger story on that is going to be in the courts. Uh, what's going on in the courtroom is probably going to dictate more about the direction, especially with venting and flaring regulation, uh, than anything that the Trump administration actually does. The, the administration has said that it wants to uh, redo and, and, and rework the venting and flaring rule. Uh, but again, uh, my sense is that the courts are going to be the ones who ultimately determine what happens with that rule, if anything. Very interesting. Well, Steve, we do have to take a quick break. When we return, I want to get back on the report and uh, the EPA's findings. But we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kim Pilato, host of In the Oil Patch Radio Show and president of Future of the Region South Texas. And I'd like to encourage you to join me on September 12th through the 14th at the Texas A&M International University in Laredo, Texas at the Student Center, where we will be discussing some of the most important regional topics for South Texas. 
We encourage you to join us September 12th through the 14th in beautiful Laredo, Texas at the Texas A&M International University Student Center. To learn more about this amazing organization or to purchase a ticket to attend the event, please visit futureregionstx.org. Again, that's futureregionstx.org. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Hey, did you know the Port of Corpus Christi is primed to become the energy port for the United States energy industry? Join us for the State of Energy Luncheon. It's going to be August the 29th from 1130 until 1 p.m. at the Solomon Ortiz Center in Corpus Christi. Come early, network with oil and gas professionals, enjoy a great lunch, hear a real energy discussion from industry professionals. It's August the 29th at 1130 at the Solomon Ortiz Center in Corpus Christi. This event will sell out, so log on now and get your tickets at shalemag.com. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. From the industry's toughest frack equipment manufacturer comes the latest innovation in frack sand delivery. Introducing Sandforce, the new frack sand delivery system from Dragon. The unique design, double drop gravity fed discharge system is trailer mounted and unloads the standard 25 tons in less than 12 minutes. So go ahead, give yourself an unfair advantage. Put the power of Sandforce to work for you today. Call 800-231-8198. Again, that number is 800-231-8198 or visit dragonsandforce.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest is Steve Everly, spokesperson for Texans for Natural Gas. And uh, Steve, before the break, we were discussing a little bit of the numbers coming out from the EPA, but a report specifically in which Texans for Natural Gas has kind of dug into some of the EPA numbers about going back from the Obama administration. And y'all's position is quite interesting of, of believing that some of the data that was used uh, is not, um, you know, venting and flaring are lower than what previously had been thought about from the administration. So I want to get back into your findings that you guys dug into, because it's a lot of data. And I do encourage our listeners to go to y'all's website, Texans for Natural Gas, because you'll find the detailed report of um, of all the information you guys dug into. But uh, I want to go back to a little bit of the numbers with the EPA. So it, it isn't just that... Uh, you know, flaring is going down by 17%, but production is going up by 19%. There's a lot more data in here that are kind of reflecting that 
in essence, it looks like the oil and gas industry is, uh, as you said earlier, taking full advantage of technology that's coming on that's helping them to develop uh, better ways of actually obtaining uh, natural gas. And so I want to get into this report. Uh, between 2013 2016, um, the EPA released its greenhouse gas inventory, which is GHGI. Tell me a little bit about what that report signifies and uh, the difference of what you're seeing in the report versus what they're basically stating in, in their report. Sure. So the um, the greenhouse gas inventory is a report that the EPA releases every year, and it catalogs greenhouse gas emissions from every sector of the economy. Um, it's basically kind of a an encyclopedia published every single year of here here are the emissions that we know of <clears throat> methane, carbon dioxide, uh, and and a number of other emissions and pollutants uh, from a variety of different industries. So it's kind of the um, the go-to source in terms of understanding emissions in the United States. Uh, each year, the EPA's greenhouse gas inventory reflects the latest understanding and the latest data. So what was published this year is more accurate and better than what was published last year and, and so on and so forth. So what we have today is a clearer picture of emissions than what the Obama administration would have had in 2016 when they finalized uh, one of these methane rules uh, targeting venting and flaring on federal lands. And what we see is that the emissions estimates for 2014, which is one of the last years of data that the Obama administration would have had, uh, emissions for that year, methane emissions from petroleum production are about half of what the Obama administration used in crafting its venting and flaring rule. Now, one thing I want to emphasize here is that we're not suggesting this was some sort of conspiracy by the Obama administration to try to cook the books. Uh, the data set they used was the latest EPA data available at the time. The problem is that we have a better picture of emissions now, and new data appear to undermine the justification that the administration used to finalize the venting and flaring rule. And with the greenhouse gas inventory, there's there's some significant numbers on the uh, production of uh, oil and how much you know, barrels were being produced versus the decline in the flaring. Can we get into those numbers? Because I think they're pretty significant. Yeah. So, uh, you know, over the past three years or so, methane emissions from venting and flaring down about 17%. Oil production's up by about 19%. Uh, methane emissions from hydraulically fractured natural gas well completions, which includes venting and flaring, but other processes as well, uh, those emissions are down 82%. And we know that we are the largest natural gas producer in the world, uh, and we're soon going to be a, uh, you know, one of the largest natural gas exporters in the world. Uh, last year, we were actually a net, a net natural gas exporter for the first time in, I think, 50 years. So uh, we are seeing increased production, uh, more activity uh, in the oil and and gas space, uh, and we're seeing lower and lower emissions of methane. And as we pointed out in this report, even the previous years, uh, emissions are lower than what previous reports had actually indicated. So not only are we on the right trajectory, but emissions are actually lower than what what we thought they were. I want to cover the benefits of natural gas, because once you look at this report and you understand that, and I completely agree with you, it is not saying that the Obama administration was doing anything wrong. I I do believe they just didn't have the same data, like you said, that they have... 
that we have now to look at. And yet you'll have critics that will still like keep it in the ground movements or people who just believe we shouldn't be uh, obtaining this. We shouldn't be selling it. We shouldn't be, uh, you know, these are resources that need to stay in the ground, so to speak. But I really want you to cover with me the real benefit of natural gas versus uh, a coal or um you know, the way I feel is that if we have resources out there that we have abundance and they are good for the environment, when you look at other sources, um, I just don't see why we wouldn't be really promoting this. And yet it seems like there's so many people who just don't understand how the benefits of natural gas versus other types of resources. But we do have to take a quick break. When I return, when we return from break, I do want to get into that. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three and six person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha source side-by-side owner study. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Hey, did you know the Port of Corpus Christi is primed to become the energy port for the United States energy industry? Join us for the State of Energy Luncheon. It's going to be August the 29th from 1130 until 1 p.m. at the Solomon Ortiz Center in Corpus Christi. Come early, network with oil and gas professionals, enjoy a great lunch, hear a real energy discussion from industry professionals. It's August the 29th at 1130 at the Solomon Ortiz Center in Corpus Christi. This event will sell out, so log on now and get your tickets at shalemag.com. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Steve Everly, spokesperson for Texans for Natural Gas. Uh, Steve, before the break, I wanted to get on the conversation of natural gas as a topic because I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding of natural gas. And so uh, as the spokesperson for Texans for Natural Gas, talk to us a little bit about why is natural gas such an amazing fuel source? Well, it's kind of the, um, the perfect combination of environmental and economic benefit uh, and you know, there, there's a, a thousand different reports that you can you can find on the benefits of natural gas. Uh, but one of them that one one of the areas that we looked into recently with, uh, through Texans for Natural Gas was actually on uh, LNG exports, so liquefied natural gas export facilities uh, proposed for Texas. Uh, to give you just a, a few top line numbers, there um, support about seventy thousand Texas jobs. 
uh, and about $20 billion in tax revenue for the state. That's just Texas. There are LNG export uh, facilities in Louisiana. There's one in Maryland. There's one proposed on the West Coast. Um, there's actually multiple uh, proposed in, in, in Texas. I believe there's seven, as a, according to the latest uh, information. So that's just natural gas export. So you're talking about billions of dollars in tax revenue that, that funds roads and schools and all sorts of other per- public services uh, and employs tens of thousands of hardworking Texans all across the state. So there's the economic side of it. And then there's the environmental side of it, which uh, you know, in- environmentalists uh, love to say, keep it in the ground, and we oppose all fossil fuels. Uh, the irony is that U.S. emissions of carbon dioxide are at the, actually at their lowest level since the 1980s because natural gas is increasingly being used in power generation. Uh, natural gas uh, as a power source is one of the cleanest sources that you can possibly use. So as we have uh, developed more natural gas here in the United States and prices have gone down, power generators have switched from uh, coal and, and other sources to burn more natural gas, which has saved consumers money. And it's also dramatically cut our uh, greenhouse gas emissions, not just carbon dioxide, uh, but you know others as well, and other local pollutants uh, that you know impact air quality, cause acid rain, and other things like that. Natural gas has far fewer emissions of those than other power sources. So uh, we're winning on the environment, we're winning on the economy, uh, and you know here in Texas we we know as well as anyone what the uh, what the importance of natural gas is. About fifty percent of our power here in Texas comes from natural gas. Before we go, is there anything on this report that uh, Texans for Natural Gas released? that we did not cover because I do encourage our listeners to go to your website, Texans for Natural Gas, and get the full report. There's a lot of statistical data and a lot of great information in there. Anything you want to cover before we uh, end the show today? I would just finish up by saying, you know, just sort of summarizing the report uh, that I think people need to really understand because they see a lot of headlines probably on methane. If they're, if they're looking at all about oil and gas news, they're going to see something about methane emissions. Um, and it, it, it just bears repeating that over the past several years, we have been increasing oil and gas production and decreasing methane emissions. Production's going up, methane emissions are going down. That's exactly what you want to see. Uh, and it could appear to undermine the rationale for some of these federal regulations uh, that are either in the works or or have been uh, finalized already the report that we that we looked at on the venting a, a venting and flaring rule specifically the the data that we have could raise additional questions about the justification for that in addition to a lot of the problems that the rule is having in the courtroom right now where critics of the rule appear to be winning the day so as the oil and gas industry has actually reduced its emissions over the past few years, it has gone from the largest source to, I believe, the second largest source now, um, depending on how you want to categorize a, a lot of these other sources. Um, again, that, now, now that, that's not to say that you know these other sources you know need to clean up their act. There's a certain amount of methane that we're going to emit just by virtue of us being a uh, modern society and, and having processes that, that go along with that. But in terms of understanding the, the oil and gas sector specifically, methane emissions have been going down. They're doing exactly what you want them to do. And a lot of those emissions or that trajectory of emissions preceded any of these federal rules uh, that have been imposed over the past five or six years. It's a good thing to see that oil and gas is doing their part 
and then some to lower it and to decrease it. Uh, and that's great because it's a resource that we absolutely must have and need. But Steve, that is all the time that we have today. Thank you for coming on the show and helping us understand the venting and flaring uh, and, and and the information that you guys were able to uh, research and, uh, and, and, and come up with some new data for, for everyone to consider that maybe um, it's lower than what uh, the Obama administration had thought pertaining to the uh, methane admissions. But, so we look forward to having you back on the show uh, here soon when I'm sure we'll be talking more about natural gas and some of the great work that Texans for Natural Gas is doing here in Texas. Thanks for having me on. It was my pleasure. Thanks again, Steve, for being a guest on our show today. And congratulations, because you're the topic of today's trivia question. Hey, email the correct answer to this trivia question to radio at shalemag.com and you will have a chance to win a $100 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao, the amazing Brazilian steakhouse. Today's trivia question is, Steve Everly is the spokesperson for what organization? Remember, email the correct answer to radio at shellmag.com and you'll have a chance to win a $100 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao, the Brazilian Steakhouse. Every Monday, we pick a winner and announce it on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash in the oil patch or follow us on Twitter at Shell Mag. If you are interested in keeping up with in the oil patch radio show or the latest issue of Shell Magazine, you can do that. It's free. All you have to do is go to www dot shellmag.com again that's s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com and sign up for our free newsletter that is going to wrap up another great show we'll see you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews until then adios in the oil patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil gas business and in your community Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.